welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words yet say nothing at all. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 259 for July 17th, 2015. It's a weekend edition of Wood Talk, and we don't have a single topic today. We actually have a little bit of a hodgepodge, a couple different questions, and I think once in a while we'll do that just to help clear out the email bag and uh, keep the topics moving. And sometimes, you know, the topics, it's a single question, but it's not big enough for us to even spend a single topic episode on, but we'd like to answer those questions. So uh, we've got four of them here for you today, so we'll just kind of take them one at a time and work through it. And uh, we'll do the first one here from Chris. He asks, I would like to hear how woodworking has influenced your daily lives outside of the shop. It's a very interesting question. Hmm. Yeah, that, yep. that's that's one of those that I'm sure I do a lot of things and I just don't realize it. It must work its way into the way we look at things, the way we do things and the way we interact with things. I know for me, when I look at furniture or woodwork, even just woodwork in a restaurant, I can't look at something and not try to figure out how it was made or what kind of materials they used. When I see like at the Chinese buffet, what looks like Babinga paneling, I sit there and go, wait, what's going on? Is that really Babinga? Like it has to be Babinga. It looks like it, but it's obviously a veneer. Did they, did someone know that this was Babinga? Was this an intentional choice? And you know, how much did it cost? Like my brain just thinks about and these why things. Why did they pair it with gold molding? <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's a Chinese buffet. <laughs> I, on more than one occasion, I have like actually looked at something or I've gotten down like in a friend's house and gone, that's not a true tusk tenon. I don't know what they tried to sell you. Yeah. That is glued on. Uh, one, well, one, go ahead, Shannon. I, I know that I've got a photograph. <clears throat> I'm standing next to a medieval castle overlooking the city of Salzburg, and I have a photograph of a dovetail in the side of a um of like a tower. And like in the background, out of focus, is this glorious view. And I've taken a picture of the dovetailed board. So, yeah, it's influenced a little it, bit. Yeah, it happens. Uh, here's one that that comes up often: is friends or acquaintances will ask me questions about like something that needs to be fixed in their house, like a piece of furniture that's broken or, Hey, can you just come and look at this? I want to, I'd like to see what we can do with this. Uh, two funny examples come to mind. One, uh, we, we go to a financial planner just to help with retirement because we're retirement stupid, but we need help with it. So anyway, uh, we're there for one of our regular appointments and she goes, Hey, before we get started, can you come in here and look at this desk? I need to see if this can, I'm like, seriously, <laughs> is that really <laughs> happening right now? Yes. So I go in there and look and it's like, it's a particle board desk, you know, from the big box store that's just been ripped apart. And she's trying to see if you could build a new top for it. And I'm trying to explain how she might be able to do that. It's not going to be great, but you can do something. Uh, the other example, I'm in the middle of getting my tattoo and the tattoo artist goes, so I've got this chair. <laughs> it's like, it just catches me off guard sometimes when I don't think it's going to make its way into it. But you know, people have broken furniture. They want this stuff to be fixed. So why not ask the guy who builds furniture? Um, so that that's one thing where it seems to keep coming up. I, you well, know, an, a, one, another one for me is when it comes to anything measuring, like if I actually have to measure something, like, how long do you think that is? I find myself, one, measuring twice because I never trust just the one. And the other thing is like most people just want it a, a roundabout. What do you think? That's like about eight feet. And I'm like, it's eight feet and probably about a 32nd of an inch, I'm going to say. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that has screwed and me you're up you're usually too. right. You know, yeah. you, your it, understanding of the size of things becomes a lot more acute, I think. 
Yeah, I just cannot stand the idea that there is not some sort of fraction attached to it. <laughs> See, now that that reminds me of like my my lab years, just working in science labs, has made me horrible in the kitchen. As I'm like bent, bending down to look at the meniscus on the measuring oh, cup, right? And I'm like, well, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not really a cup, Nicole. Uh, let me <laughs> let me work it out. And I'm like trying to pipette out just enough to make it perfect. That's, <laughs> that's so funny you said it because as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh my God, up in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. He's looking for the meniscus. I know that's what he's going for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, and it's, it's try making pancakes with a three-year-old. And uh, for a science nerd, that'll make you nuts. You're like, forget the kitchen. We need to go over to the science ware and get some solid beakers. Yeah. <laughs> so well, but- I, I can tell you um, my job, like my day job, <laughs> I would have never gotten it were I not a woodworker because yeah. I'm not a smart enough digital marketer to have been able to land a job as director of marketing anywhere else but a lumber company. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, definitely affected me there. Cool. All right. <laughs> Anything else before we move on to the next one? Nope. I, no? I, okay, I got good. nothing that I could think of. Okay. Well, hey, well, the next one came in from Tomaseo. Tomaso. Uh, oh, Tomaso. Tomaso, thank you. Why did I say Tomaseo? You say Tomaso, I say Tomaso. Okay, well, there you go. As I spend my <laughs> Sunday planning a metric buttload of cherry for a cabinet project, it makes me wonder, what is your least favorite part of a project? Oh, hmm. for me, finishing. I hate, 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 can't say it enough, hate the finishing process. How do you really feel about it? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I love the finishing process. I'm kind of nuts like that. Um, Shannon, what about you? I'm with you. I like finishing. Um, okay. Milling, just because it's kind of mindless. Because you're and, a handle woodworker and it sucks no matter what you do? Well, <laughs> even, <laughs> even when I was using a joiner and planer, you know, it was just kind of it's definitely something not fun. that had to be done in order to get to the fun part. The yeah, joinery, yeah, so. yeah. That's very true. Uh, you know what? I, oddly enough for me, I think picking up the material, it's like... It's like going to the gym. You know, once I'm there, I'm in it and I enjoy it and I like the process. But getting my butt to the gym is really difficult. And I find it's the same way with going to pick up material. I hate transporting plywood. I don't like lifting boards and putting them in the back of my truck and just dealing with the whole experience. But I do like sifting through the wood and looking for the best boards and trying to be picky about it. That part of the process I like. I just don't like getting in my truck to go to the lumber store. (laughs) I'm kind of there with you. you (laughs) I kind of am. I have (laughs) to talk to people. I'm so antisocial. Oh my God. I I have have to to go get the supplies. I I hope nobody wants to talk to me. Yeah, I got to use words. (laughs) I got to shake hands. It's like the Howard Hughes of woodworking. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I, I had someone, I let somebody come over and visit the shop the other day. Uh, that I've never, I've never met them before. They've been following the show for like six months. So relatively new guy's name is rich. And you know what I did when he came in? I put him to work. <laughs> I needed help. Broom? I needed help with a glue up. And I said, look, I got to work. You can, you can stop by, but uh, I'm putting your, putting your butt to work. <laughs> so <laughs> help me out. So he's actually in the next video that I'm going to release on Thursday. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So you should have handed him out? a broom just to, to maintain that wood whisper, super clean, sparkly yeah, shop. There thing. you go goes around the internet totally we, we you know to go back to a couple of, an episode from a few weeks ago uh to cover your legal liability did you have him sign a waiver so that he can appear in the video no i should i <laughs> and i legally probably should have done that but i didn't uh, you so. could just blur his face <laughs> yeah gotta i'd like to meet him. my friend pixel <laughs> pixel <laughs> this guy pixel uh do we have did we all say something on that one yeah we did okay i think so all right this next one comes from ted he says are there really are there any real negatives to corrugated bottom planes am i correct in thinking also that a vintage stanley bedrock will serve me uh as well 
Uh, what about non-bedrock stainless? Okay, there's a couple questions there. That's cheating. Um, <clears throat> there are no negatives to corrugated bottom planes. There is nothing at all. To me, a corrugated bottom plane is a manufacturer's gimmick mm. to supposedly make it run faster because there's less contact, less friction. It's all BS. There's no difference. Um, maybe it could be easier to flatten it if you're trying to restore it, but no, no difference whatsoever. Don't even consider the differences. Um, <clears throat> a well-maintained Stanley bedrock will serve you very, very well. I mean, that's essentially what Lee Nielsen based all their planes on. Um, what about non-bedrock Stanleys? I don't own a bedrock Stanley plane, never have found one. And well, that's not true. When I find them, they're so bloody expensive on this new crazy hand tool renaissance market that I've never bothered to buy them. So all of my vintage Stanley planes are non bedrocks and, you know, tuned up. They work just the same as my Lee Nielsen plane that is based on the bedrock style. So I don't really pay attention to that either. I would rather buy a non bedrock because it's a heck of a lot cheaper than the, uh, $300 version of the bedrock one on eBay. Cool. I don't have anything to add to that, Matt. Do you? Mm, nope. Not at all. You hit all the fine points. Cool. Corrugated planes allow you to make a banana faster, right, Matt? That's exactly it. Yeah. If you really want to have a good time and just get a great workout, try and flatten all those corrugations out of there. Woo, let me tell you something. Can you send your, like, if you've got an old plane you want to restore? I know the, like, Lee Nielsen and, uh, Veritas Lee Valley will take their planes back if they need something done to them and they'll work on them. Will, will they work on anyone else's planes or do you have to find like a local machine shop if you don't feel like going through the whole banana soul, you know, situation? I doubt they would work on one of their planes. that's not theirs. Could Um, you imagine the, 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 load of stuff that they would get i mean that would yeah. just be insane well i'm just thinking in terms of like sharpening companies who will sharpen or like forest will sharpen other companies blades right um right but well, I, maybe, I guess they probably, i have a feeling though lee nielsen and lee valley have their hands full yeah they, they, planes. i was gonna say it's not really part of their business to necessarily yeah. rehab there's a good planes. business idea for somebody who wants to blow their brains out in a couple of years Boom, baby <laughs> that sounds fun <laughs> Jeez, that sounds about as fun as the guys who do the sharpening on on hand saws. <laughs> that's, a, that's another thing that would make me j- want to jump out a dang window. Uh, oh, all right, gosh. so we got the next one here. This is the last one from Bob. He says, do you guys use digital angle gauges? I'm thinking of the magnetic ones for table saw setup. Perhaps the conversation could focus on digital electronic app-related devices. Well, we brought up an app-related device in a recent show, the the assisted app for hand sawing. Beep, um, beep, 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 beep. And we, you know, while we you're, like you're the, off plumb, Matt. <laughs> we like oh, the technology, um, we kind of made fun <laughs> <Always>. of it <laughs> because that's just what we do. Uh, so in the case of digital angle gauges, I have one, but I don't even know where it is. Is it the, <laughs> the, the Wixie or Dixie or the Dixie Wixie? Wixie. Or something? Yeah, it's, it's, a, Wixie, it's yeah. a Wixie and it's, I guess it's probably somewhere on the floor near the saw. And I, it, say, I look underneath the, the, the rail because <laughs> you won't believe I had one. I stuck it under there. I'm like, I'm just going to put this down here. I won't need it. I lost it for years. I lost it for at least two years. And then well, uh, when I was, I dropped my uh, miter gauge and I got down on the floor to get it. And I'm like, Wixie, <laughs> there you <laughs> and are. I found it underneath there. Finally, and, uh, the battery was dead because apparently I had left it on or something. I don't know if I had an automatic switch on it or something. Or just after two years of not use at all, the battery finally died on it. Yeah. Uh, but I was so happy that we were reunited, and I lost it again. So I imagine it's probably <laughs> on the other side, on the other rail. But I, I have used that quite frequently, actually. <laughs> well, until I lose it. <laughs> well, you know, and speaking of the battery, um, I bought one because I just I I, I had a. Delta 
contractor saw. And, you know, <laughs> speaking of Mark bending over to read the meniscus of the uh, cu- measuring <laughs> cup, you know, I'm like bending over trying to line it up with the little hash marks on the, you know, on the front. And I just didn't trust it at all. And at the time I didn't have, because let's face it, when I went off of 90 degrees, I was usually at 45 and I didn't have um, a square, a 45 square that I could really trust. So I saw that in a, probably a Rockler woodworking catalog. And I was like, oh, I've got to have that. And I became so dependent upon it that um, I used it all the time to the point that the battery died. And the battery is one of those like crazy watch type batteries that like you can't buy, you know, any normal place. So then I just stopped using it because I didn't feel like going and getting a replacement battery. Yeah. I just thought of something. I want to see you using that on your handsaw next time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why not? I'm pretty sure I sold the gauge when I sold the table saw. Oh, poo. Uh, you know, what's funny is I had uh, one of those, the, the uh, bevel gauge things that was digital. I did it for when Tool Select still had their videos up and running. I did one for them. And the battery compartment on that, it, it worked okay. It was all right when you zeroed it out and all this other stuff, but it was still such a pain to set up. But the battery compartment was like at one end and the the little box or something, it wouldn't stay together very well. So every time I went to zero it out, apparently I just flung it open too much. The compartment would go flying across the room so you'd have to go chase the battery (laughs) and then reset everything well i think we should be fair here because these things work you know like if if it's in your workflow and i think the problem is and the three of us sometimes fall into the same you know bucket when when it comes to stuff like this the lazy bucket yeah kind of uh, that we just haven't incorporated it, even though we own them, we never really, well, except for that Shannon story who incorporated a little bit too much. Um, <laughs> right. But you know, it wasn't so indispensable that I was willing to go buy a battery. But yeah, I just haven't incorporated it into my workflow. I always forget about it. But they do work well if you zero it out and then put it on the blade and track to the perfect angle. I mean, they work really well, but you have to remember that you've got it and make it part of your normal workflow so that it just becomes a useful tool that you use all the time. Uh, my main concern with it is the little magnetic do jobby is only what an inch and a half two inches wide yeah something like that so when i zero that out i know that my table saw surface is not flat and if it's not flat right near the blade or like i would have to try to find where's the flattest part of my saw because if it's you know maybe a degree out i don't know exactly how far out it is but i do always get concerned about possibly referencing from a little dip in in the saw top and then putting it on the blade and if i'm using this thing i'm using it because i want to be dead on you know so a lot of times when i use a bevel gauge or something else it's typically a a wider body that references from a larger subset of the top and gives me a more accurate result and that's one of the reasons why i've shied away from incorporating it like full-time into my setup yeah. I usually like to use them very specifically for when I have when I want to double check my setups to make sure that I've got it at 90s, like the, the stops on mm-hmm. the, the saw itself. The once in a while when I do the uh, my table saw tune up, you know, like once a decade kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that they're they're all set up. But another thing I actually incorporated this with my hand tools is uh, so w- when I have like one of those regular uh, cheapo uh, gauges or uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, the, the sharpening uh, jig. Uh, the little pinches on the side. Oh, I would actually take guy. that Wixie until I lost it, and I would put it on my, uh, my on my blade, and I would help me to figure out exactly where it is, so that I could get the perfect forty five degree or twenty five degree or whatever it was that I was shooting mm. for, and then I would set up a little jig from there. So it actually That's helps actually me with my hand tools. That's neat. That's a really good idea because it doesn't really matter what the angle is, as long as you just match it. 
You know, yeah. so it, you know, you're sharpening one blade and you've got it set to 25. Then you put another blade in there and you set it to 25. Who cares if it's actually 23, but you got them all the same. That's a good idea. Matt, Way to you, go, Matt. You need to you're send welcome. that in as you a win, tip. Matt. You, you win get, the gold star. Yeah. Send it in as a tip to one of the magazines. You'll win oh, like sweet. a blockchain gift card. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what about, um, I don't know, depth gauges, like on a planer, those digital readouts that they have. I had a couple tools with them. And once again, because they turned off automatically, like if it was always on and like powered through the electrical hookup, then I would be all about it. But the fact that they turn off sometimes and if I move the wheel (laughs) when it's off, (laughs) then it's not accurate anymore. So the only thing I can use it for is to measure relative changes, um, which can be still useful, but it's not quite as useful as knowing this thing is exactly, you know, one inch above the bed or two inches above the bed. So I never really got into those. Have you guys like uh, Shannon, you just got a new planer. Does it have a digital readout? No, heck no. Okay. I, I have I have a little rare earth magnet and a steel rule, a six inch steel rule, and it's just stuck to the top of my planer, and that's what I use. I pull it when the board comes out. I check it with a ruler. Okay, I'm where I need to be. But most <laughs> of the time, I'm done planing when the board is like smooth on both faces. Right. Right. So no, I I had a depth gauge. Actually, I think it was made by Wixie as well. It was made to be a depth and height gauge. So it had this kind of big base at like right angles to a, a steel rule that pointed straight up and you could raise and lower it. So you could determine how high your, say your table saw blade was or how high a router bit was. And it was a digital readout. And that thing was useless because the, the whatever the, the arm that you actually lowered to touch the blade had like this step in it. Mm. So it's like, it wasn't a consistent surface. So it's like, well, which part do I measure? So it's like the tape measures with the little tongue, the little clip on the end that moves in and out, you know, right, right. and you never get the same measurement. So yeah, that was useless, completely useless. The one that threw me off the most was the digital display on my old drum sander. I tried to use it a few times, but anyone who's used a drum sander knows that it isn't like a planer where you send it through, it either cuts or it doesn't. On a drum sander, you can send something through on the same setting five times and it'll still connect. Right. You know, so how am I supposed to get this thing dialed in to like in the thousandths accurately if multiple passes are required before I truly like it was the hardest thing to calibrate. So it just kind of became useless uh, in that regard. So what about calipers? Um, do you guys have digital calipers? In your uh, yeah, I had one of those too. And the battery nope. died and, and then I just never replaced <laughs> yeah, it. The batteries are definitely not your friend here. No. <laughs> you, you know, you can buy new ones. <laughs> those little watch batteries. They're, you, know? you could go hang out with all the old guys, you know, like getting the ones for the hearing aids. Yeah, maybe you like, got to go to Rite Aid to buy that battery. You can, get them, you can get them at uh, Walmart. You can get them at <laughs> Sam's Club. You can get them on Amazon. I know you buy stuff on Amazon. Go buy them on Amazon. They're right there. It's so easy. They're a couple dollars. Come on, Shannon, quit, quit messing with technology. You're just trying to mess everything up. Yep, that's me. Uh, I actually do love my digital calipers. I, I, I mean, I know how to read an analog set, like a traditional set, but it it's doesn't, that's not something I'm fluid in, so fluent in, and uh, the digital ones I just find so much easier to use, so I'm a big fan of those. And my battery has not died yet, and I've had them for years, but I'm pretty good at turning them off when I'm done, so... 
See, that's the main thing is, yeah, it, it has to have an automatic off switch. Otherwise, Matt's like, oh, like Shannon. Oh, now I have to go on Amazon. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, is that digital caliper, it still worked just fine when the battery died. Because these days I'll use the caliper and I'll, you know, say squeeze it around a, a, a dowel. And then I'll go and I'll make I'll lock it in place and then I'll go over to my drill index yeah. and find the one that fits over it. And right, I'm good for, to go. For, like, who, who cares what it reads? Relative measurements. Right. Exactly. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that's it. So I think we'll uh, we'll do a couple more of these in the future. We've just we get so many great questions from you guys, and it's a shame to not answer as many of them as possible. So a little catch-all episode like this might not be a bad idea once in a while. Yeah, it's been a long time. It has. All right, Matt. You want to give them the contact info, and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, if you have a comment, question, topic, suggestion, you have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Got a little squeak there at the beginning of that 623. Did you guys notice that? I missed it. I'm going to go back and listen. 623. You can email us at... <laughs> you can email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com or leave us a comment on our Woodtalk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find them over at woodtalkshow.com. Man, I feel like I need to get together with all my brothers and sisters and go sing a song so we can raise money for my parents' silver platter. What? It's a Brady, Brady Bunch reference in case any wow. of you missed that. That was obscure. Uh, that was very <laughs> obscure. All right. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya.